Hello everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all well. Continues to stay positive. And yeah, thanks for all the support with the podcast we've been getting. It's really sick. People are listening and we really appreciate it. So yeah, thank you once again. Um, yeah, for this episode, Mike Peters from the Canadian hardcore punk band Cancer Bats came on the episode. Yeah, Mike is a really sick drummer. And I'd like to thank him for coming on. It was really nice to chat to him all the way from Winnipeg. And yeah, we speak about everything in the episode, all from like Cancer Bats touring with the whole Warp Tour scene, but not really being a part of it in the music they played, how the band formed, him moving to Toronto, his upbringing, his drumming, how he got playing drums, his musical taste and influences the band heavily touring the UK and why they were so successful over here and yeah Mike is a sick guy Cancer Bats are a really really fucking good band you should go check them out uh, listen to their latest record The Spark That Moves and they did a really cool thing recently called The Separation Sessions which they did like recording from across the country which is like an acoustic kind of session they did in the lockdown which is actually a really cool project that I'm sure many people would enjoy and yeah thanks again for listening support Cancer Bats check out The Spark That Moves and yeah hope everyone's staying well hope everyone's keeping healthy and positive during these times as always and yeah take care be nice to people keep smiling and enjoy your days and yeah peace so you're calling from winnipeg winnipeg yeah have you always lived there then uh, i know i i grew up here but uh i lived in toronto for 10 years oh why'd you move back if you don't mind me asking uh my wife is from here as well and now we have two little kids so it's just yeah. a lot easier family you know yeah toronto's like a fast pace it's like got a london vibe you know yeah and it's like you know f- to buy a house in toronto's two million dollars and to buy a house here is like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. it's <laughs> yeah, <man>. yeah. <laughs> yeah if your bank account could shake your hand it would yeah exactly <laughs> it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i'm sure um yeah, so how is it kind of running the band then? Are you all kind of scattered across the country now, Cancer Bats? Is it is Liam in um, like Nova Scotia, like Halifax? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and then the other two guys are in. Jay's in Toronto, and, and Scott is moving right now. He just bought a house um, about two hours from Toronto. Bloody hell, man. Um, so everybody's like quite far away, really. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's like, like Winnipeg... For me to get to Toronto is a two-hour flight. Jesus Christ, that's like yeah, that's like flying from England to like Germany. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like if you like, I've driven it multiple times. It's like it's twenty-four hours straight driving. Jesus so. Christ, man, how's um, how's that going then? With in terms of like the band functioning and writing and you know, um, yeah, proceeding. Would you think it would be like a logistical challenge? It you know in in the past like pre-COVID. It it wasn't a challenge too much, yeah. Um, because we were just we were able to hop on a plane and and meet up, and you know we could do a couple shows and do some jamming and do some writing and stuff like that, and it and it was fairly easy, yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> Canada's had a lot of travel restrictions within the country, yeah. Um, so like for Liam. If he came, if Liam came to Winnipeg, when he got here, he would have to quarantine, or any of the guys actually, if they got here, they would have to quarantine for two day or two weeks, fourteen day quarantine, and then when they get home, they have to de- quarantine for another fourteen days. 
No way, really. They're doing that on the provinces as well, let alone internationally. Yeah. Bloody yeah. hell, man. Yeah, they're not they're not as strict, I believe, of like I've heard of if you travel internationally, like the police would come and check on you and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's but, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but not not domestically. I haven't heard of anyone getting checked on. Uh but cool. yeah. But it's 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 supposed to lighten up in Winnipeg right away. So we're we're planning to get together here uh in May to start like we've been writing a whole bunch of new stuff, so we're gonna start doing some demos and actually be able to get together. Like I haven't seen the guys in over a year now. Fucking hell. Wow. Yeah. I bet you yeah. God man, that's that must be absolutely quite surreal considering you've probably seen them five times a week for the past 15 years or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's completely nuts. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Cause I saw you put out the separation sessions in yeah. last December, which I thought was actually a really sick name considering yeah. what, what we've just spoke about. Um, why did you do that? Why was that released? And cause it was like a whole new, like, you know, climate for them, for your music, you know, it just sounded yeah. completely different. Why did it happen? Well, when, when the pandemic started, we, um, mm. or I guess right as the pandemic started, we were, uh, releasing the 10 year anniversary of the bears, mares, scraps and bones. Yeah. yeah. Um, record. And so uh, that was scheduled or it came out March 20th and we, um, yeah. had a bunch of shows booked. So we had to cancel it all. And then it was like, well, how do we kind of promote this? Like, we can't play. So mm-hmm. we did a couple acoustic versions of songs. Nice, cool. Uh, just like, just we like literally would film, you know, Jay played the guitar and then Scott played a guitar. And we just like filmed it on Instagram or filmed it on our phones and then put it up on Instagram. Sick. And Liam was like singing in his truck, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah. and it, but it was like a kind of different vibe and it was cool. And then we thought, Oh, we should, we should actually do like a song. Like we, we were already starting to work on new material. So we were all like getting into working in logic and sending ideas back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, well, let's try and do one of these in logic, like, and, and make it sound good rather than a shitty phone recording. Yeah. Spruce it up a bit. Well, not yeah, so we so we did we did one, uh, and then as we were finishing it, all the like Black Lives Matter start stuff started to really pop off on the internet. Yeah, and we kind of were like, okay, we don't need to clutter the internet with our noise because it's really not important. Like this movement is far more important that needs yeah. needs real voices and and to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of pushed the brakes on it and then we kept working on new material, but it was like summer and no one was, people were more interested in going to the beach than like sitting in a basement working on tunes by themselves. You know, it's like, yeah. it's one thing when you can get into a room with your buddies and do it, but when you're just like, yeah, I'm so sat in my basement and it's 20 degrees outside and you know, we're like, yeah, no one no one wants to be doing it. So we just decided to uh kind of pump the brakes on writing new stuff and then I was like, well, we could do more of this acoustic stuff cuz it's 
the songs are written. So it's just changing the vibes of them. Yeah, and true. Then could, yeah. And then we thought we could release it and, you know, donate the money to something worthwhile. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's so we just kind of did I guess six more songs or five more songs from the one we already had done. Five yeah. more songs. And um and yeah, and then we released it, and we and all the money uh, we made from it went to uh, uh, water. Um, there's a bunch of uh, like our indigenous population in in Canada. There's a bunch of people from those communities living without clean drinking water. You know, in a first world country. Wow. Yeah, that's fucking um, horrible, man. Jeez, yeah, it's it's awful. So we we uh, worked together with a. Uh, really cool organization called Water First, and and uh, yeah, I just donated all the money to them. So that's amazing, man. That's such a great thing you're doing. Massive yeah, effect. that's really cool. Yeah, so it was fun, and and uh, we've actually finished a volume two, or we're almost finished. Not eighty percent of it is done. Yeah. Okay. Cool. How was yeah. it? How was it? Um, creating music like that. I know you said the songs are already wrote, but um. Obviously, it's completely different, you know, completely different it, style for the songs. How was it being a part of that creative process compared to everything you've been involved with in the past? Um, it was it was awesome. It was, uh, I mean, unique. And with with the first round, we kind of were just like throwing ideas at the wall and seeing if they'd stick, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just like where, like, like for Death's March. Like, I was like, I'm going to just halftime the whole thing. And, yeah. you know, so I was at a friend's house um, at his studio doing doing the drums. And I, I just, like, did, did it all in halftime and then, like, took a video of the, of the session and, like, texted it to the guys and was like, hope you're cool with this. <laughs> like, yeah, this, is, yeah. this is what I'm kind of going at. Like, I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it worked you know so it was a lot of that though it was a lot of like you know we do something and then be like ah this sucks and then like i had to go back to the studio a few times to like i was like these drums are not not right you know like yeah okay like let's yeah. go let's go figure out so it was a lot more of like we just had to kind of figure out the the overall vibe of the of what it what it, we wanted it to sound like so we're pretty like we're all pretty heavy into like a lot of like psych and stoner stuff yeah um it has that vibe definitely though it has got yeah, that exactly kind of, exactly yeah. and that that's kind of where it was like we didn't want to just do like uh, an acoustic record that's just like the songs played acoustically and it's like yeah that really yeah. is good <laughs> you, you know it's like yeah this is kind of cool but whatever yeah so, I I used to hate that when like they'd put like a deluxe edition out of a record a band it's just two songs acoustic or something it's just like what the fuck right <laughs> yeah yeah and you like spend the extra money or buy it again and you're like really that's what yeah. I got and it like I already gave you a tenner and now, yeah. now you're asking for it again yeah yeah so we didn't we didn't want to do that but like you know we really like yeah we just I just was like Jake just play the shit out of the guitar. Like I want cool, you know, like, um, psych kind of country guitar leads and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And he's got this cool old hollow body. 
um, guitar that I was just like, just fucking play the shit out of it. Like, dude, play luck. We need leads that are not in the song, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was cool. And then, like, you know, it just, it worked out, so. Yeah, man, because you say a lot about the country element there. Um, I don't know. Cancer Bats has always had a bit of a country vibe, like a country metal vibe, you know? It's like, what my mate said to me once, he's like, it's like Hatebreed was from Kentucky or something. (laughs) (laughs) Hatebreed's from Canada. We got a... Canada has a, a extremely big country scene. Does it really? Fuck yeah! yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 huge. Like, especially like, um, I mean, the whole country in general has kind of different styles across the country. But like, we're in Winnipeg. We're on the prairies. Yeah, yeah. And it's like big time farming community. Oh yeah, I can imagine. And in like. Uh, how, oh, fucking hell, fuck, so Saskatoon next door. Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 man. Have you been? Uh, to Canada, yeah, man. I used to live in uh, Quebec City. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. That, that, was, that was very different, I tell you. That was, that was different, but that was good, man. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's awesome. Yeah, so like everywhere, you know, like uh, Manitoba has kind of a country thing and then like you get into Quebec and they've got a lot of like they're sort of French kind of um, yeah. French folk music is kind of countryish, and then you yeah, get it was the, yeah, yeah. You know? And then the Mar- Maritimes have their own kind of thing with lots of fiddles and you know, like this the Mariners' jigs and all that come comes from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Actually, it's very like traditional, like you know, musically based. I think it's yeah. sick that people keep that alive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, we grew up hearing all that kind of stuff all the time. So it wasn't, uh, it's not a far stretch for us to kind of... Yeah, drink. tap into that. Yeah. yeah. So when when did you start playing drums as well? Oh, I'm a drummer as well, it's, so it's nice to talk about this with people. When when did you when did you start playing the instrument and uh, what kind of drew you to it in general? Um, I started playing when I was about 11 years old. Yeah, cool. And... Um, I don't know. I just always, I'm not sure like off the top of my head, like what really drew me to it. Mm. But, um, my, like I grew up, like my parents are very heavily involved in the church. Oh, okay. and yeah. I, I grew up going to a lot of like church, uh, functions. And so when, when I was young, I remember it was before I started. So I, I must've been about like nine, 10 years old. We would go to these big, like, church concerts like i think they did them once a month maybe on okay. a saturday night like an annual kind of like communion like a group gathering once a month yeah once a month but it was like it was always in like a big auditorium or like a gymnasium somewhere oh and, yeah cool. and they would have like a huge stage with lights and it was like a concert like full production <laughs> yeah. full production full like big rock band and you'd go there and like, I'd go with my parents, but my friends would be there too. So we could like run around and, you know, go get yeah. into trouble or do whatever we wanted. Yeah. And, uh, and, but it was awesome because it was like this cool, big rock show, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, and I think that, I think that is like kind of where I really was like, I want to play the drums. Mm. And, uh, my dad, my parents wanted me to take 
three years of music lessons, of piano lessons, before okay, I started yeah. playing the drums. Oh, right. Okay. Did you? Did you do it? Uh, I did one year. Yeah. And then we and then we moved, um, and we moved far enough away from the piano teacher that. <laughs> And we moved close. So, and then we moved closer to the guy who played drums in that big worship band, like the big church thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, my dad was just like, "You know what? It's easier for us to get you to drum lessons. <laughs> so, I guess less you're taking water. drum lessons. Yeah. Less petrol to get you there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Less time. Less petrol. Like, so, um, so I started taking drum lessons when I was 11 from this guy and he was the, the guy that I would go and watch play on Saturday nights, you know? Wow. That's actually pretty sick. Like the guy you were watching play and was inspired by was then teaching you. That's actually yeah. cool. those two worlds coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, it was awesome. Um, yeah. So that was like 11. I, and I took lessons with him for three years. Yeah. And then he tried to go, full-time lessons right yeah um and then summer hit and all his students quit and he was like fuck i gotta get a job (laughs) man uh and then so that at that time he had to like let some students go because he was just like and then his i think he was about to have a kid or something like that and so then i ended up taking he passed me on to another teacher and i took lessons for another year from that guy but it wasn't the same sort of like I didn't, I wasn't that into that guy, and so I just yeah kinda... yeah I know that vibe as well, man. When you just like someone's telling you something, you're just like I don't know why, but I'm not listening. Yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. I was just like, I was getting into punk then, you know. Yeah. Uh, Green Day it was like Dookie was out. It was you know the early '90s, and I was just mid '90s, I guess, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. all into all into the skate punk that was going on then. Yeah, that's such a sick era of music, man. Yeah. That whole like epitaph vibe in like '95, yeah. so sick. Yeah, that record, awesome. Yeah, wicked. Oh so, yeah, but then you know, no, no, uh, uh, no older drum teacher is like you know they want to play like they're all into like funk and fusion and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah and they're just yeah. like they look at you wanting to play punk and they're like no. You shouldn't learn this stuff, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Learn. All you want to do is double time, and they're like, "No, no, please, yeah. <laughs> please yeah. don't bring that into this room." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I just kind of was like, "Well, then I'll just learn it on my own." So, yeah, man, fucking best yeah. way. It's what I did yeah. as well. It's the best way. But like, you speak about getting into more like punk and like faster based music. How how was it then growing up in Winnipeg, liking music like that? Did the kind of city complement your music taste in terms of like shows and a scene uh, absolutely yeah like we yeah, had propaganda so yeah Fucking yeah propaganda is from winnipeg so True. i mean that just like I, I mean they're still the best band in the world to in my mind like that's some local you know bias there <laughs> <laughs> perhaps but at the same time i mean they're still selling out you know selling a thousand tickets a night wherever they're, they go they're still fucking killing it man like even they're, they're, and they're putting, really good yeah and they're, they're putting out records that are faster and heavier now in their like now that they're in their 50s than they were when they were in their 20s you know joke man oh no <laughs> yeah you know? so it's just like fuck man if like if i could be if in 50 year, or in whatever 10 years when i'm 50 mm. it's like 
if I'm if Cancer Bats are still putting out like they're putting out our heaviest record, then then yeah, fucking yeah. a. Yeah, you know? exactly, man. I think because I first heard of Winnipeg when I started listening to Comeback Kid. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's when I actually just was aware that place existed. Right. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sick. Um, yeah, that's cool, man. So, like, you started going to shows, like, when you were a teenager. Was there a big kind of punk scene happening locally and everything? And, was it, and like, hardcore taking off at that time? Yeah, yeah. We had a really good um, punk and hardcore scene. I mean, when I started going to shows... Because we are in the middle of nowhere, yeah, you know we weren't getting we weren't getting shows. Um, yeah, man, yeah, too many touring bands coming through. But you know, every year we'd get a good handful of them. You know, yeah, and I suppose I suppose when they're few and far between, you know, everyone's a lot more fucking grateful for when it does happen. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And then uh, the closest big city to us is Minneapolis. Oh, true. Like go, yeah, you go down, yeah, yeah. go down, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so then, like, we'd get a lot of local Minneapolis bands, you know, that would come up, and, and um, o- over the years, we'd always have this kind of back and forth, you know, like, our, my early bands would go and play Minneapolis, and then we'd bring a Minneapolis band to play our show in Winnipeg and stuff like that, oh, so. That's, I fucking write that, man. That's so sick. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, mixing the two scenes like that. Because yeah. like, that's actually like such an easy way to like expose the scenes like that and do like a crossover as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there was always there was always a great scene. And like, um, like I played in a band called Figure Four. There yeah, was yeah. Um, there was like uh, Jeremy and Andrew from Comeback Kid were in it. Yeah, I know that band. Yeah, Figure Four. Yeah. 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 So I was I, I played in that band we Andrew and I were in that band when we were like 16 years old. No way. I guess small, small place, man. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean like, uh, Andrew, I met him when I was like 13. Our parents, like our parents still live like a block away from each other. It's amazing. So, man. Fucking hell. Small yeah, world. He was, he, he was at my house yesterday, actually. Comeback kid just finished their, uh, recording a record. So, Amazing, amazing. I'd love to have him on. I'd love to chat to him one day. That's cool. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. He's great. He's Drop a lot sure in like that. Uh, what, what are your favorite memories then? What, what shows and like, pivotal moments do you remember from, a, from like uh, attending specifically rather than playing? And when, when was it really that like DIY kind of like hardcore punk? You were like, this is my people. This is where I'm meant to be, you know? Yeah, I think like, I mean, I remember going to... Um, some of the bigger shows like we had this thing uh i think like epitaph always did this like snow jam tour across canada every year wicked man uh, and i remember i remember being in, at this venue it was like a you know the biggest venue in winnipeg held about 800 people kind of thing yeah maybe there was a thousand there at the time yeah that's still so uh, sick though man that's still sick yeah and uh and it was like um, I think it was like Good Riddance. I remember high, that band High Standard from Japan were on, were on the tour. I can't believe they got a Japanese band to fly over for that. That's amazing. Yeah, and but and what I remember is being like I remember going to the merch stand and 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 like you know um, the bass player for Good Riddance was at the table and and yeah. then I tried to talk to the guys from High Standard and like couldn't really talk to them but i was just like this is crazy like 
Yeah. I'm 15 years old. The the guys in the band are right here. Like this is the coolest. Yeah, that's so sick. And uh, yeah, and and then from there, uh, it was it was all about. And then you know, I joined when I joined Figure Four. Yeah. Especially, I was a couple of the guys who started the band were older than us. They were like in their into their early twenties. Well, okay, it's quite a big difference at that age, though. That's uh, yeah, and yeah. and. And so that was a real, like, then we started going to more and more, like, of the local shows, you know, yeah. and seeing the local bands and the, the bands that were, like, you know, in their early 20s or whatever then. Yep. And, uh, and it was like, um, and then we started being in the band and, yeah. and no. playing the shows. And then, and then, you know, quickly thereafter, like, it was like, we're putting on the show because because Winnipeg was so isolated and we didn't have shows the the local scene was really good because yeah. you, we just had lots of uh you know lots of people wanted to go to shows but no touring bands were coming through so it was just like yeah you know try and promote the shit out of out of what, your local what, show what what you've got yeah the it, yeah it, and so it was a lot of like rent yeah. Yeah, renting out community center gymnasiums and going to the music store and renting the PA and my parents' minivan and like, <laughs> yeah, nice. You know, setting it all up and yeah. So and like like Andrew and I did a lot of that when we were kids. Yeah, I really write that, man. I respect yeah. that a lot. That's very sick. So. Um, I noticed that in Quebec City as well, man. Like, it was. Very, very DIY locally based what was happening, you yeah. know? Because, like, Canada, to me, when I was there, I kind of noticed most of the country was, like, a B market for touring bands. Yeah. It was, it was like, you know, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver got shows and everywhere else kind of didn't. Or yeah, like, 100%. You know, yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Like, I always kind of... Is it just... Do you think it's the distance between the major places? Yeah. The factor? Yeah, it's the distance, and then it's the. I think, probably you know it. It's the distance, and then it's the promoters. Like if there isn't the promoter in the city to actually like, put up the cash to bring in the. Yeah. Bring in the show, then they're just not going to do it, you know. And then, and then if and if there isn't enough, you know, if like, maybe Winnipeg has the promoter, but if there's not one in Regina and Saskatoon, or you know. Yeah. It's like, well, they can't carry on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's all got, of, yeah, exactly. Cause it's very, it seemed like when people did do it, look like across Canada tour, they were very reliant of it going very, very smoothly, you know, across yeah. all these like places that yeah. made sense to travel to next. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's, it's really hard. Like we'll do big Canadian tours now. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're like, you know, it's, we're okay. We usually, when we tour across Canada, we can't take like the big package that requires a lot of money because if we play in Fort McMurray to a hundred people, you know, it's just like, yeah. like that promoter's not going to fork up the cash to like bring, you know, five touring bands through. No way. No way. You know, no. so it's just like, you have to be willing to kind of like, Take the hit almost. Take the hit here and there, but it keeps you playing every night and you're going to make the money in merch, like those people. And the show is going to be fucking nuts because like yeah. no one goes to those towns. 
And then, yeah, at the same time, it's like in this random fucking town, like a hundred people have showed up. That's sick. That's really yeah, exactly. Cool. You know, and that's and that those type of little towns are the way you can make the Canadian tour of you like you're not driving eight to ten hours every day. Like, yeah, that's fucked, man. As yeah. an English person, where the country's like this big, that, yeah, that sounds horrendous. Yeah, right. That's why we love going to England because it's just like. Oh, I get to sleep in every day. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, literally. Like, Real your, easy. Your concept of like distance here would do you so many favours, I swear to oh, God. Oh, yeah, it's like going from London to Glasgow every day in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <You> know? <laughs> yeah, man. Because Cannes about to come to the UK like so much in the past like 15 years. And I think you've, would you say you've had the most success in this country? Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been really good for us. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think this country connected with your band? I think I think we had a really good team behind us um, mm-hmm. over there. Yeah, um, you know, we had like early on, we had like uh, Ross Warnock, who's our uh, booking agent. Yeah, it, still our booking agent. He was our first ever, the first ever agent that was in, got involved with the band. Okay. Oh well. Um, so he's been with us since two thousand five. Um, oh, fuck, you know? really? Yeah, so he came over. He came to Canada and and to see. He was booking Alexis on Fire already, and a, maybe a, maybe Bedouin Sound Clash as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so he came over to Canada and and checked us out and signed us, and um, and then we just had loads of you know um, the guys at Hassle Records were yeah, yeah. awesome to us, um. And, um, yeah, so they, they were a really good push. And then, you know, um, we just, we really liked it over there. We were happy to tour there a lot. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that just kind of like with a good team and, um, you know, we were willing to just to play all the shows and it just worked. So. Yeah, man, because, when did I, I first saw you guys support Enter Shikari? Probably like ten years ago now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Roundhouse. Yeah, it's fucking sick, man. Yeah. Was um, do you think the band has kind of ever struggled to maybe find a demographic? Because I've seen like Cancerbats were never kind of like a scene band when that was all kind of happening, but you guys were still coming up at that same time. Yeah. And I saw you guys play with like Shikari and Bring Me the Horizon as well, but like ages ago. But like um. You've also played with like straight up metal bands and hardcore bands. Do you think the band has like struggled to fit in somewhere maybe, but at the same time, why do you think the music is so versatile? Yeah, I, I do. I definitely think, I think it's like, um, it's always been kind of interesting. Like we, we, uh, we listen to like, you know, I hate God and yeah. like, you know, crowbar and, and whatever, death and all this like mm-hmm. heavy metal and punk and and uh but then we tour you know we got our we got our start playing with our friends like with alexis on fire and the billy talents and yeah you know and so it we've we kind of like got lumped with alexis on fire and silverstein and billy talent and these kind of bands yeah but we're not really sound like that Nah, it's like you know, way heavier, man, and it's like yeah, yeah, and uh, but you know, so it's we, so then we never 
I think because we're we are a different band in a weird in a scene that we shouldn't really be part of. Yeah. But because our friends were taking us on tour, we wanted to go on tour. Mm. It was just that's what we wound up doing, and then we and then you know we played to like you know we toured with like in the states we toured with Guar and Devil Driver. And it was just like, people were like, who the fuck are you guys? Like, how come we've never heard you? It's like, oh, because you probably think we sound like Silverstein. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People, a lot know? of people did, man. People, because yeah. like Cancer Bats, when like I was in like high school specifically, like you were playing with like loads of Warped Tour bands, you know? Yeah. 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 Like all the time, man. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, like doing the Shikari shows were like, were super fun. And the tour was great, but it, you know, it was definitely like we had to be, we got talked into doing it. I'm happy we did it in the end. People were it, into it. People were mad into it at the time. Yeah. Being there. Yeah. We had some rough ones though. Like, yeah, we, I imagine. Cause we did the UK and all of Europe and it's like, you get to like Italy or places, some places in Germany. And it's just like, Oh yeah, yeah, this is like a rave. Like we should not be here. But <laughs> yeah, it was still fun. But yeah, I bet it was still fuck. I bet it was still cool. But yeah, yeah, they're there for like the synth. You know, they're there to dance. Like they're there to to like yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different demographic. Hundred yeah. percent. Especially in Italy, yeah, for sure, man. So yeah. they're like yeah. they have they have a goal in mind, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So like, why why did Cancerbats keep going after all this time? Do you think what you know what inspired you to continue as a band and yourself as a drummer musician? Like, because it's been it's been fucking ages, man, like fifteen years. Yeah. You know what's what's kept the engine running this whole time? You know, I think we just we like doing it. We love playing music. Um, like it's just it's in us. Like I I play drums in three bands. You yeah. know, like. Like I have cancer bats and then when cancer bats is like when I'm at home, like every Friday night I go and jam with guys, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and, but I love, I love like Jay and Liam and Scott are my best friends. They're like family, you know? Mm. And, uh, we definitely had like after, after searching for zero, um, yeah. we, we definitely hit like a big wall. Um, Absolutely. everything just motivation or not motivation but we just felt like we just that record just didn't really connect with people um yeah it's a shame it's a good album nice yeah i think the songs on it are great i think that uh i really loved working with ross robinson on it but i think yeah. that his yeah. like Mad, dirty like I think the production was like a little bit tough for people. And like, yeah. I think if, we had, if I think if we had a written, uh, done those songs and done it a little bit more, it just didn't sound like cancer bats, you know, yeah. the guitar wasn't high gain in your face guitar. It was like really like kind of, it's, it's very like kind of muddy record overall. Yeah, I think I do agree, but in a nice way. I'm not having a go. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Wait, I no, no. I like I love the record. I think I listen yeah. like you know what? It, it, like that record when it when we finished it. Yeah, I, that's probably the most I've ever listened to a record that I've yeah. made. Yeah, I really, oh, wow, really okay. liked it. 
Yeah, but, I remember, yeah, I remember it coming out and I was like, I remember chatting to my mate about it and we were impressed, man. We were like, this is good, but it sounds very different. It yeah. did sound different, especially like on impact. I'll, I'll use that phrase, you know. Right, especially yeah. Especially guitar lines, yeah, massively, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was, um, mm. it was a weird one, and but I, like I really liked it, but it was because it was like, it was a record. Like when we went in with the demos versus what came out of like we went yeah. to California for four weeks or whatever to like make it, and then when we got home, I was like, this record is completely different than what we the songs we went in with. Yeah, and you know I so it was just like listening to it on repeat at home just being like this is this is awesome but it's totally different you know usually i'm like by the time we finish the record i'm sick to death of the songs and then you have to tour it <laughs> yeah. and then you tour it i mean and then that's a whole different thing and it's fun you know but you're not like listening to the record on repeat um where that one i was really like wow this is something totally different this isn't what i thought it was going to be at all um but it just didn't connect i guess overall and and uh, we we were signed to a, a BMG record label that was like they had loads of money, you know. We got we spent the most we've ever spent making a record well, on that, and well, which was yeah. you know really cool. But they were very disorganized and not really like set up to be a record label properly. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And so you know, it just it just you didn't get. It, we did, you know, we'd send emails to people and it was just like, we got an email that was like, I'm going to be off for the next six months. Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, like you're going on maternity leave or something and like, you didn't tell us? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Going to Thailand with a backpack. See yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so it was just like, you know, so it, it was, it was a tough go. And, and then, um, we we stopped working with our management company at that after that record as well, because yeah. um, we were just finding we were we were doing a lot of the work ourselves and then mm. paying them money. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're doing that, why the fuck are you on the label? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. you know we were getting into like ten plus years of being a band mm, and seeing a lot of things, and we were like, you know what? we we should just take it on on ourselves like the bands we look up to you know the converges of the world the propagandies that you know like they're they do it on their own they don't yeah you know they still work we've always had this diy ethic mm. and it's like let's just really go for that you know and just start doing it yeah. on our own so we took a big break you know everyone kind of got into doing their own thing and um uh, and just kind of need, we just needed to step back for a bit. And, okay. and that was the time where we were like, everyone was like, especially I think Liam maybe and, and myself and it's just like, uh, we're feeling really discouraged kind of. And just like, where do we go from here? What are we going to do? And I feel like there was maybe a, a feeling of like, maybe we'll just end the band, you know? No, why really? Yeah, a little, a little bit from from certain people and and uh but then you know we decided to kind of uh i guess everyone just i think we just needed a break and so once we kind of had yeah. a six eight month kind of break and jay and i um uh had been playing with this woman named julie duran from okay. she's she's like a folk 
uh, singer songwriter from the east coast of Canada. Oh yeah, and we did this. We did this kind of. We did a. We do a band with her called Julie and the Wrong Guys. That's like kind of like Dinosaur Junior y, but with with Julie singing. Oh wow, that sounds interesting. Uh, sounds good. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's all it's on Spotify or whatever. We we put out one record. Nice. Um, I'll check it out after this. Yeah. So in that in that time, Jay and I made that record. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah. And then it was kind of like you know I think doing something completely different musically mm-hmm. was like a good inspiration. Yeah. To um to then like get back into like making heavy music. Really. Yes. And uh and then we and then, you know, um we had gotten rid of our management company and we were we were able to get um the rights back to the first four albums. Oh uh, yeah, um, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So then we decided to like we're just like, well if we're gonna if we're gonna do stuff on our own, we should just do everything on our own. So we started Batskull Records and um and you know, like we, Liam and I made this huge, spent like three days making this huge business plan and, and, uh, a whole like thing. And, and, uh, you know, we went in Canada, we're able to get, um, we, we have like a really good arts funding, um, and music, especially like we have a, a great, the government's very supportive and we get, we can, we're able to get money to make records and tour and all that kind of stuff. So we put together this huge proposal. Uh, we wrote a bunch of songs, and we and we were able to get like a really good grant to kind of jumpstart the the whole new the Cancer Rats 2.0, I guess, or whatever. Amazing! That's so good. Yeah. Um, and so that's when we did the Spark that Moves. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, wow, man, that's really really cool. I never knew that was um, you know, like a self you know made idea and government funded and everything that's really yeah, cool. yeah 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 so why did you put this because i remember the spark that moves coming out and didn't you just put it online and you were like yeah made a status like yeah we have a new album <laughs> yeah 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 so we were doing yeah we it was it was sort of a yeah we we made the plan because le- well we made it all we did it really quick actually yeah because the tenure of hail was coming up yeah, that tour went really well. I remember the scene. Yeah, the second nights, all that, all that shit. Yeah, really- yeah, yeah. It went really well, and we were like, we were like, the ten year of hail is coming. We should release the new record at the same time. So it was like the whole process from like writing that grant proposal and the business plan and all that stuff. I I'd say it was like six to eight months from like from starting the business proposal to writing the songs to getting in the studio and releasing the record. And it was just like, normally when you get on a label, shit fucking takes forever because it's like, you know, you, you send an email at two o'clock on a Friday afternoon and they're like, Oh, sorry at the pub out of office. Like, (laughs) you know, and you're just like, fuck you. It's two on a Friday. Like, get to work like fuck you this sucks yeah you, just you know we're on tour like or whatever we're doing so, so long. yeah you know so we were just like kind of tired of that sort of thing so when we could just kind of take it over on our own all of a sudden we were able to like mm. book studio time uh you know and and secure the money at, to do it and 
and then press their get the records pressed and and it was funny because it was like you know it's like oh records all these labels are like oh records are gonna take eight weeks and we like put in the thing and i like put in the order to from the to the just the distribution company that we were working with yeah and they were like they were like oh it might take a little while and i was like and then he was like oh wait Olga at the record pressing plant in Poland's a big fan. She's gonna get it pressed for you right away. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> um, and we were just like, uh, so like I was able to just write Olga because like you know like that guy got back to me, and I just like yeah. wrote Olga and was like, you are the best. You have unlimited guest list. Like, thank <laughs> you. Like next time we're in Poland, please come and hang out. Yeah, that's so cool. Big you up. Know, and, Shout out yeah. to her. That's sick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we just like, I think it just really like sped up the process and we were able to then, so it just worked really well that we had, you know, we had two sold out nights in Toronto. So we were able to like drop it that morning. And then like that night we had 600 tickets sold for the first night of the shows. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, it was a lot, exactly. I remember like the Hell Destroyer ten year, and there was a lot. Of, didn't you, you did four nights in the underworld, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. that's like five hundred people a night. You know, it's pretty good numbers, man. Yeah, it was really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was amazing. Yeah, amazing, man. What? So, why do you think Cancer Bats had success? Why do you think this band took off? You know, compared to uh, because we weren't going to take we weren't going to take no for an answer. Okay, you know, well, like yeah. We like, um, you know, I've been homeless a lot in my life mm-hmm. because of cancer bats. You yeah. know, it's just like, I don't need a home. I don't need things. I just need to go on tour and play the drums. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and <clears throat> all my family lived in Winnipeg and we were in Toronto. So it was like, I'm either paying rent and an apartment. There's no, there's no going back to mom and dad's house, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and, and like, you know, so it's just like, let's, let's go. Like, let's, so we'd always be like coming home from tour and like picking up our boxes from some house that we like started at. And then like, you know, like just get an apartment for a year or 10 months or something while we like took a break from touring after two years of being on the road. Yeah. You know, and then we'd be like, okay, we need to start writing a record. And it would be like, we'd finish we'd finish the album cycle tour mm. and then we'd, we'd get home and maybe take a couple days or like maybe I'd come back to Winnipeg for a week to visit my family. Yeah. And then we'd be right back into the rehearsal rooms, just writing. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, we were just like, we were just not going to not be successful. Yeah. Do you, think the, do you think the work ethic has a big part to play then? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. Because, yeah. um, you know, has, do you think the band has progressed naturally then from record to record and as time's gone on? Did you see it taking the direction it has? Because, you know. Um, I, w- I, th- I think so. I think it's, it's definitely, I mean, I think it has progressed. I think the spark that moves is, I, I think it's our best record musically and mm-hmm. vocally, especially like Liam uh, has has really pushed himself, and I mean, I think it all makes sense. You know, every yeah. record to record, it all makes sense as like a progression. Um, 
and I think even like the fact that it's kind of gotten heavier mm-hmm. makes makes more sense. You know, a lot of people thought we were just gonna, especially because we were playing shows with Alexis on Fire and Billy Talent and stuff like that, and right we yeah. toured with Rags Against. Um, like we, like when we were getting ready to make Hail Destroyer we had like tons of interest from Roadrunner and like a bunch oh, of bigger labels. Um, and wow. then we sent them hail destroyer and they were like, Oh, we didn't think it would be heavier. We thought it would be a lot more like rise against or something like that. And we were just like, fuck you. Like, no, we're a metal band. <laughs> like we're heavy. Yeah. Straight up, man. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll write that. It all stayed true to its roots and everything. Was yeah. it, yeah, did you ever, I don't know, was it always kind of tough when you, you know, people wanted you to sound, you know, maybe like record execs or people within the, the when, when they kind of wanted you to sound differently, did you ever feel that? When people like were trying to mould the band at a certain point or not, not really? Um, I'm, yeah, a little bit, I think early on. Yeah. And actually even definitely into our third record, like into making bears, mares. Um, mm-hmm. We had a manager for, a, for a brief period of time. Yeah. Um, and I have nothing against the guy. Like he's, I think he's a good guy. You know, mm-hmm. we, we parted ways fairly shortly after work, starting to work with him. Okay. Um, but we even, we even like, tentatively titled a song after him because we were just like he would just like try and push and like say the stupidest things about like trying to direct us in how we would how we would make songs and we're just like yeah no fucking way man <laughs> like fuck off <laughs> uh, but we we're we we're pretty stubborn and and pretty like uh mm. yeah we we're just not gonna take it so which i mean partially is maybe to the detriment of the band like who knows like if we had have kind of tried to push it that way then maybe you know those rise against tours and and those billy talent tours and stuff would have done more for the band i guess you know yeah yeah i get what you're saying if we had of if we had have been like gone a little bit more melodic or whatever we needed to do it would have been like yeah i guess you know, b- had had a bit more of a reach, but oh well, man. It's like day. it's like fuck it though, because you probably got so many kids into heavier stuff. Do you know right? What I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We 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 still have kids that come out to shows that are like, man, the first time I saw you guys was with Billy Talent at an arena, and like, mm. you guys got me into heavy metal, man. That's fucking awesome. And they, you know, they show up wearing those shirts from that tour. It's like, fuck, oh, that's that so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, at the same time, I remember watching you guys as a support band and like, it was like a perfect like mosh band for people as well. Like it went down yeah. well, especially when, yeah. when I saw you guys open for bands, it was like, people weren't not into it. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah. We've, we've always been able to kind of hold our own on every tour and we've, we've had, you know, like touring with, um, with like a band like Guar in yeah. the states Fucking you know hell. it was just like people were like if you don't you know we we got the talk from the every time i die guys actually because they had uh, toured with Guar, and yeah. they were like okay. they were like you basically can't stop playing yeah you know you really have to fucking own it and like yeah. you have to go hard 
because their fans are just fucking crazy. I mean, they're at a, they're huge fans of a horror themed like, you know what I mean? Like they're like space creatures from fucking that live yeah. in Antarctica and chop people up. Like it's great. Like that's what they're into. Like you just have to, you have to be, get on their level somehow. Somehow, yeah. Translate your record to their preferences. Yeah, fucking yeah. What a task. Yeah, what a task. show. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, man. What What took you to Toronto then? Like in your younger days, don't mind me asking. Um, no, yeah, I uh, in two thousand and four. So I had a friend uh, who was like a big show promoter in Toronto. Yeah, uh, his name's Eric Hoyback, and he was like did lots of hardcore shows um, back in the day there. And yep. he, he also owned a company um, pulling, like doing rickshaw running. <laughs> I don't know if you know what a rickshaw is. No, totally. So what is this? So a rickshaw is just a Canadian thing. No, it's like an Asian thing. Like in, in, uh, in China or something where you'd see like a guy running, pulling a cart and people are riding in the cart what okay <laughs> yeah yeah and you'll see them around like they have them in london but they're on a bike they're a bicycle oh, yeah. and they're you could pull people i think i've just never seen it like on foot <laughs> bloody hell yeah so so what in toronto job. yeah in toronto from like i don't know late 90 or the 90s into the early 2000s they had them on foot and people would just like and so uh my friend eric he owned this company and he was just like, man, come here. Like the summers are crazy. We will make so much money. Yeah. And I was in university at the time. So I went to, uh, I went to Toronto summer of 2004. Cool. Went to Toronto and lived there for three months and just worked running rickshaw. Um, why, man? No fucking why. <laughs> and, uh, but, but so I met, that's when I met Liam and Scott. How and where? And so one, another guy I pulled rickshaw with because Eric was like booking a lot of the hardcore shows and stuff like that. So he knew everybody in the scene in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so he found me a place to live at this punk house that had shows in it and stuff like that. Sick. And yeah. then a friend of mine, um, uh, the old bass player, the bass player for figure four. Yeah. This guy Bailey, he was, he was, uh, he came and lived and he stayed at, um, Andrew McCracken, who's the original bass player in cancer bats. He yeah. rented a room in his apartment. Oh, and then right. Liam was, li Liam was living in Montreal and he would come and stay at Andrew's house. Cause so they could have practice with cancer bats. And we just kind of met that way. No way, man. And then, yeah, I ended up, ended up hanging out a bunch. And it was just like, you know, we were, we kind of, um, uh, like, figure four and Scott from Cancer Rats, his old band at the Mercy of Inspiration, played together um, when with Hatebreed in Toronto. Um, so, so we just had all these connections and kind of, like, hung out maybe twice or three times while I was living in Toronto over the three months. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I came back to Toronto to see a show and then I was going to going with 
uh, my friend Eric to Florida for a week. Um, and I ran into Liam at the show and he was like, Oh, we recorded a demo and he gave me the cancer beds demo. And it was like one of the only CDs I had. And this was in the days of disc mittens. So it's just like, I listened to that demo a ton and I, I wrote them when I got home. Um, I was like, I was like, Hey, this demo is awesome. Like I really like it. I was like, if you ever need a drummer, I'm thinking about moving to Toronto full time. Uh, and I was planning to just like transfer universities and, and go there for school. And, but I figured, you know, I play in a band like Toronto to New York city is only 10 hours or whatever. So it's just like, you know, we could actually go and play a weekend of shows. That's like significant. And, uh, he called me, I sent him that email. He called me two days later and was like, Hey man, like we need a drummer bad and we want to tour all the time. And I was like, sick i hate university like <laughs> i'm just doing it because i don't know what else to do yeah that sounds ideal man jesus christ yeah yeah and so it was just like we we um i moved back in the summer 2005 and carried on with my rickshaw job because it was like make your own hours so it was perfect for being in the band i could work when i needed to and yeah flexible yeah yeah super flexible and uh and you can make really good money you know, uh, and it's all cash too. So it was just, oh, yeah. 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 Very nice, mate. Keep it off the books. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. And then, yeah. So I just joined the band in 2005 and I had to call, like called my parents from, from Toronto. I was like, Hey, I'm not moving home. And, uh, and the comeback kid guys were driving from Winnipeg to Toronto for something. So they stopped at my house and like loaded up my drums for me and brought them out. (laughs) Oh, fucking legends. That's so cool. Yeah. And so I had to call my dad and was like, Hey, yeah, I'm not going to move home. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to stay here for a while. So yeah, these like five guys are going to come and get all my drums and cymbals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, like, my parents know them very well, so... Oh, I'm sure, man. Yeah, if they've been coming around since they were, like, Andrew was, like, 13 or whatever, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, like, lifelong friends. Uh, <laughs> really, really, really enjoyed that, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming. All the best, mate. See you soon. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya. Peace.